0: Good morning. Good morning, awesome. I don't think I'm going to need this, Y'all tell me if I do, we good, everybody hear me? Awesome, good morning, I'm glad, glad you are here, um, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7, as a matter of fact, if you, if you don't have your Bible, uh, maybe get on your app on your phone, if you don't have the, the Bible app, you can download it in a second, but uh, we're going to spend a lot of time in Matthew chapter 7, so I want, I want everybody there, I want everybody looking at it, uh, and we're going to be specifically, Matthew 7, Towards the end, verse 24 is where we're going to start. But before we do that, uh, as, as I've been, uh, believe it or not, I've actually been out of the country, which is not a great time to be out of the country. I uh, just got back yesterday, but uh, I've been following this coronavirus thing and all the headlines, right? And uh, one of the headlines just kind of going along with the whole virus is what's happening in the stock market. Anybody, anybody been following that a little bit? And let me ask you something. Just really quick, by show of hands, who would consider yourself, you would consider yourself like an expert in the stock market, an expert in like everything, mutual fund and investment and Roth IRAs and the Dow Jones Industrial, anybody in the room, NASDAQ, those things, right? Yeah, me either. Okay. So here's the reality. I remember when I was first getting married, uh, sitting down with premarital, counsel, premarital counseling, and I was talking about financing and start to, or finances, and started talking about investments, and I was so confused and did not understand anything about it. And I sat down and I asked somebody who was smarter than me to explain it in a way like, like what's, what's stock market for dummies, right? Because that's what, that's what I need. I don't, I don't get this stuff. And a guy sat down with me, and he explained it. And I think we all understand an investment, right? So you invest some finances into something with the hope of what? You'll get more. You'll get more. Yeah, with, very simple. With the hope that this thing you invest in will grow, and all of a sudden you invested this much, but now it's worth this much. Does that make sense, right? Now – Uh, the way that you choose these investments is you try to look at a track record, right? You look back and you look at the years of history and if you see an investment that has a proven track record, you want to invest there, right? Does that make sense? If you see a not proven track record and a very volatile track record and and actually a downward track record, you don't want to invest there. That's pretty simple. Everybody everybody with me, right? I'm going somewhere with this. I have a point here. Uh, What if I told you That there was an investment, a financial investment you could make. And there's a 100% guarantee that you will get a return on that investment. Not just a return, but like a 100-time return. What would you do? I would put his You'd put your money in there. Not just like you would liquidate, like sell the stuff that you had to put as much as possible into that so that you could see the return. Because the more you put in, the more you're going to get out Right? And that makes sense. That's, that's what we all would do. Right now is not a good time to buy a stock in toilet paper. It's probably pretty high right now because sales are high. It's probably a great time to buy stock in Delta because it's, like, right? And because it's cheap right now. But uh, you want something that's going to have a promise of return, right? Y'all get that. Now, on the other side, what if I told you, hey, I got a financial investment for you, and there's a 100% guarantee that this fund you invest in is going to completely fall apart. You with me? Anybody going to invest in that? Nope. All right, so we can kind of understand how that works financially. I want you to know that the same thing is true spiritually. Where you're making your spiritual investment matters matters. And Jesus has some stuff to say about it here in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to cover It's the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus lays out for us right here is a spiritual guarantee. It is coming from the creator of the universe. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God, and all things were created through the Word. That's Jesus. So Jesus, the creator of the universe, I think, has authority to say that this is a spiritual guarantee. Not only does he have authority to say, it, he's got a great track record. He has never broken one, a single one of his promises. So here's the reality. If you and I are willing to go all in, to sell all we have, to go all in for Jesus, He promises us a return like we could never imagine. The question is, will we do it? You see, have you ever heard the parable? There's a parable Jesus told us, one of my very favorite ones. He talks about uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And a man's walking in the field and he finds a treasure. And he realizes that that treasure is worth more than everything he has. So he goes back and he sells all that he has so he can buy the field and he can have the treasure of the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is saying there is that if you will, make it, if you will invest into the kingdom of God, it's worth more than anything this world has to offer. And that's what Jesus is going to be talking about here in Matthew seven twenty four through 27. He kind of lays out a plan for you. How do you do this? So say, okay, cool, I want to make this spiritual investment, I believe, Jesus, cool, Uh, what do I do? He lays out a plan here for you of what it looks like if you make the investment or if you don't make the investment. Actually, let me back up. You're making an investment somewhere. So you're either investing in building your life on the truth of Jesus Christ or building your life for yourself. Building your life as the world builds its life. You're making an investment somewhere. So let's see, let's see what Jesus has to say. And I think the, the last thing I, I want to say to kind of set this up is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is free. Becoming a Christian costs you nothing. But listen to me. But it will cost you everything. That's good. It costs you Nothing. All you've got to do is get on your knees just like Ricky had us do. And you, and you truly from your heart cry out, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. Fill me. Change me. Save me. I'm a sinner. I need you. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. I believe you paid my penalty. That's becoming a Christian. But following Jesus, as we're going to see right here, it, should, it will cost us everything. But you've got to remember it. It's an investment. It's an investment with a proven track record. An investment that will yield a hundred times more than you can ever imagine in the spiritual world. In your spiritual life. Alright, let's get, let's get to the verses. Alright, you ready? Matthew 7. Everybody there? Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine. This is Jesus talking. And does them And it fell. And great was the fall of it. Let's pray really quick. Heavenly Father, You promised that Your Word does not return void. So right now, God, I pray by the power of Your Holy Spirit that Your Word would sink into our hearts this morning. That that our hearts would be good soil, ready to receive the seed of Your Word and to bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Lord, I pray that You would Open our eyes and help us to feel the weight and the reality of the words that you spoke and you preached right here, Jesus. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, so Jesus gave us this spiritual guarantee. There's two paths and only two. There are three, there are four, and Jesus He gives us two. We, we are either in the category of the people who hear the words of Jesus and do them, Who build our house on the rock. And in the end it will stand. And it will be strong. Or the other spiritual investment we can make. Is that we hear these words of Jesus and we don't do them. And we would be like the ones building our house on the sand. And it will fall apart. So there's two investments you can make. One has a guaranteed return 100% risk free. If you build your life on Jesus... You will build a strong life. You will bear fruit. Or, if you don't build your life on the words of Jesus, you will build a life that will fall apart. Those are the two options. So I'm gonna, what I'm going to do here is we're going to go all the way back up to verse 24. We're going to read through this, and we're going to teach through this slowly, and we're going to learn together here. Uh, let's start right at the very beginning. The first word is what? Somebody say it. Everyone. Thank you. Everyone. Everybody say everyone. 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 Who is excluded in that? No No one. You are everyone. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter about what you're currently doing. It doesn't matter if you have sin in your life. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're an awful human being. It doesn't matter. The message and the good news of Jesus is for you because the reality is is we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has. So everyone includes you. This isn't for the religious elite. As a matter of fact, can I tell you there's no such thing as religious elite. There is no such thing. Pastors, preachers, priests, people in ministry, there are no closer to God than you can be. Did y'all know that? Who do you aspire to be like spiritually? Is there anyone that you've seen, maybe a pastor growing up, a youth pastor, or you're like, man, I want to follow Jesus like them. If I could just follow Jesus like them, if I could love Jesus just like them, if I could have a relationship with Jesus like them, guess what? You can. That's the beauty of the cross. There's no such thing as religious elite. We are all one body. You've heard maybe heard it say like this before. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. There is one religious elite. You know who his name is? Jesus Christ. Jesus was perfect for us. And he's the only one that is good. And we're all on the side of sinful. But all, but you know what he's done? He has extended his arm. And all we've got to do is take a hold of it. Everyone who hears these words of mine. Everyone. I want to encourage you. You have opportunity today. It's not just for me. It's not just for Ricky as pastor. It's just for you to make this spiritual investment. Everyone. Next, it says, Who hears these words of mine. Whose words? Jesus' Jesus's words. So I want to I take a second and really encourage you about Jesus' words. About the word of God. About scripture. The Bible says in Romans that faith comes from hearing the word of God. Are you putting yourself in, in position to hear the word of God? Now, obviously, you're here on, on Coronavirus Sunday, you're here, so you're doing a good job of putting yourself in a position of hearing the Word of God on Sundays. But let me ask you what Monday looks like, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday. Can I tell you, for so long, this is my life, I grew up in church, okay? For so long, my experience of God was Sunday to Sunday. My experience of, of, of a relationship with God was Sunday to Sunday. Monday through Saturday, there was nothing. But Sunday I'd go to church. We'd sing hymns out of a hymn book. I'd sit in a pew. I would cover and be bored. Uh, and then I would leave. And then as I got older and I got in, into a youth group, it was a little more entertaining, if you will. It maybe was more on my level. And I remember feeling like, man, that was great. And I remember leaving church as I got a little bit older feeling full. You ever feel that? Maybe like you fought the whole way to church or you like had a horrible time getting to church. But by the time you leave, you feel like you're in a great mood and things are good, right? You feel full. Well, that's the Holy Spirit filling you through his word and through his people. And I want you to know that is not meant to be Sunday to Sunday. Your relationship with Jesus is meant to be day by day, even, even better, moment by moment because he's with you. Because He loves you. Because He's available to you at every single moment. He's not just available to me. Remember, what's the first word? Everyone. He's available to everyone. Every moment. Your relationship with Jesus is meant to be an all-consuming part of your life. So everyone who hears these words of mine. do please, please, please. I want to encourage you with something. Put the word of God in front of you regularly, not as a religious act, but as a relational act. This is how, when I, put, when I open my word on my own, in my home, and I read God's word, this is a way, a tool he's given us to build a relationship with him. Not to make him, so when you read your Bible, he doesn't love you anymore. Did you know that? When you don't read your Bible, he doesn't love you any less. It's not about that. His love for you isn't conditional on what you do. So so take the religious act out of reading the Bible. Let's talk about what it is. Your creator has given this to us as a gift to know him. Mm -hmm. And what's beautiful is the more you read it, the more you love him. You just can't help it. I love Jesus more now than I ever have in my life. I love His Word more now than I ever have in my life. I will sometimes open His Word, put my hand on it, and just tear up because of how deeply I love Him. But it's not because I'm spiritually elite. It's just because, you know what? He has changed me through His Word over time. And this deep relationship with Him is available if you put His words in front of you. Listen, I understand that it's hard to understand. I understand that it's hard sometimes to get something out of it. There's lots of tools, and I'm sure Ricky can help a ton with, with, with teaching you how to understand God's Word. But what if we realize that this book isn't so much about us, and it's way more about God? And we open it, and we just say, God, what do you want to teach me today? And we dig in. So, everyone who hears these words of mine, this one's really important. Y'all ready for the conjunction, is it? And a conjunction. Conjunction, conjunction. see. I think it is, right? <laughs> this and is really important.
1: Everyone who hears these words
0: of mine and what? Somebody say it. Obeys. Acts. Obeys, acts. My version says does them. I'm reading for the ESV. So and does them. All right. Well, here we go. This is where it gets really hard. Um, so often I would go to church or I would read and I'd get stirred up and I'd like, man, that was good. What's for lunch, right? That was good. What do I got to do today? And I would leave it right here and not let it get in here and actually do them. You know, there's a difference between being a hearer of the word and being a doer of the word. James 1.22 says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Listen to this. This is really important that you guys get this. Deceiving yourselves. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. Did you know that whenever you get into God's word and you get this great feeling like, man, I I, I heard from the Lord today. You can leave that with an emotional high that does not transform your heart at all. We have to be surrendered fully to God and His Word. Surrendered fully. If it says it, I'm gonna do it. If I don't understand it, I'm gonna seek understanding until I understand it enough and I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to do what it says. Otherwise, listen, you can leave and feel like you checked off a spiritual box and your relationship with God is in a good place. And like, okay, great, yeah, I read the Bible today, or yeah, great, I went to church today. And the Bible says that you're deceived. What I would say is that you're invent, putting your investment in a sandy investment. If you just read the Word and say, that was good. So I want to really encourage you. This is, this is so hard. It's so simple to understand. It's so hard to live out. You know, we've got to allow the Word to transform us. The best way that I can tell you to do it is if you want to do that. Like if in your heart you're like, yes, I want to do that. I just don't really know how. I mean, I try, like, I try to love people. I try to do what the Bible says. Pray every day that God would help you do what he says. And he will. You gotta realize that we have a lot less power than we think we have. A lot of the good stuff that God does in us is God doing it in us. You know what our part of play is? Surrender. Lord, what do you want to do in me? Lord I want to I want to Hear these words and do them. I want to do that. Tell God that I want to do that. Help me to do that. And let that be the cry of your heart. And I believe over time the Holy Spirit will direct you and help you to live this out. So everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. I want to encourage you about wisdom. So there is a very big difference in worldly wisdom... In godly wisdom. As a matter of fact, most often when people are operating in godly wisdom, the world looks in and says, "That's not wise." I know uh, there's a, a high school student who always wanted. Like, his parents were very successful, and always wanted to like be successful and own a business. And when he graduated high school. He felt the Lord calling him clearly, not go to college, to step into like an apprenticeship program at a church and go to ministry. Outside looking in, mom and dad, thinking through worldly wisdom, are saying, what are you doing? You've got scholarships, you can go to college, you you need to get a degree, you need to have a backup plan. But all the while, he knows what the Lord has told him to do. The world would say, that's not wise. You're going to some kind of apprenticeship program at some unproven church to go, you know, maybe make, you know, pennies working in ministry. But let me ask you, what's true wisdom? Proverbs says, you all ready? The fear of the Lord. Is the beginning of wisdom. So if your decisions and my decisions are not based in the fear of the Lord. Here's what the fear of the Lord is. Surrender to the Lord. That's all it is. Fear of the Lord is, Lord, I surrender you. I'm going to do what you say. And if our decisions aren't based in surrender and fear of the Lord, then our our decisions are maybe wise to the world. But we are not of the world, church. We are of Christ. We are not meant to be of the world. So I want you guys to be wise men and women. You know, if you read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is referencing here is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He's referencing these words that I just preached. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I want to encourage you. Y'all ready for a big challenge? Over the course of a year, see if you can memorize it. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Just go a verse at a time. Verse at a time. You can do it. You know why? It's the the core teaching of what Jesus said. And if you flip back through, you know what it looks like? It does not look like worldly wisdom. It's like if anyone asks anything of you, give it to them. Does that seem wise to the world? It's it's things like if somebody slaps you in the face, turn the other cheek to them. Don't fight back. Does that seem wise to the world? No. No. You have to recognize that if we are going to embrace Jesus and make the Jesus investment. Remember, we're talking about where are we put placing our spiritual investment. Make the Jesus investment. If we're going to do that. That means selling all out to the, world, the wisdom of the world and going all in for the wisdom of Christ. And basing every decision, every single one of them, in full surrender to Christ. So, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You are building your life on something. You are. You're building your life on something. What are you building it upon? Selfish desires, which is what our flesh will want us to build it on. Or surrender to Jesus, the rock of Jesus. This next portion is very interesting to me. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house. So, the person who was wise and built their house on the rock, did rains come? Yes or no? Did floods come? Yes or no? Did winds blow? Did the house get beat upon? Yes. What was the outcome? It stood. So one of the things we have to recognize is that the prosperity gospel, which means if you meet Jesus and give your life to Jesus, everything will be rainbows and butterflies. You're going to have all you need and never have any needs and never really That is a false gospel that is... Are y'all with me? Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So if we make this investment and we invest everything we have in following Jesus, what he says is, it's not that there won't be rain because there's going to be rain. It's not that there won't be floods because there's going to be floods. It's not any of that. You know what it is? It's that you've built your life On the one who overcomes the world. It's exactly what it means. The same events happen to the wise and to the foolish. And you know what this makes me do? It makes me scratch my head and ask why. Why do the same things, events, happen to the wise and the foolish? But can I tell you something? It also helps me realize that I'm just not made for this world. I've got to get my eyes. We, church, have to get our eyes off of this world and just the circumstances on this world and onto eternity and onto God, what are you doing right now in my life? And as we do that, as we lift our eyes from right here, right now, to Jesus, and we say, Jesus, I'm going to go all in for you, it changes our perspective. That's building our house on the rock. Can I tell you something? The next part says it did not fall. It is possible to stand firm no matter what the circumstances are. I watched my dad do this. When I was 12 years old, sorry, 11 years old, my 18-year-old brother committed suicide. And you know what my dad had been doing? He had been building his life on a rock. My dad had been going to church and digging into God's Word and developing a relationship with Jesus My dad had men in his life that were spurring him on towards following Jesus. And the flood came. The rain came. Tragedy happened. Eternity is a reality. This world is not eternal. It will fade. Everyone you know, including yours truly and yourself, will get sick and will die. Period. It will happen. It will. In this world, you will have trouble. I've either gone all in for the one who, is, who has overcome the world, or I haven't. I've either built my house on the rock, or I've built it on the sand. Because my dad built the house on the rock, let me ask you something. you think that it still hurt? Yes. I've never seen a grown man cry as hard as I've seen my dad cry. Never seen it. Had never seen it before, have never seen it since. I've never seen him Mourn deeply, a person mourned deeply for months, like he did. We had to sell our house. Me and my dad, we loved fishing, and we had a boat that we fished on. He had to sell the boat because one time, my brother, his name was Stuart, was casting a lure and hit my dad in the back of the neck with the lure, right, and sliced his neck. And my dad bust at him and like, kind of yelled at him, as all of us would, right? If you just got cut in the back of the neck, and that's all my dad could think about. So he told, he set me on his knee one day, and he said. So all I can think about with that boat is that one time this happened with him. I mean, it wrecked his life. But you know what he did? He didn't disconnect from Jesus. He didn't disconnect from me. He didn't disconnect from my mom or my family. He was all in for Jesus. He was begging God, Lord, make sense of this. I don't understand it. He allowed Jesus to work in him. He was honest. It's not like he, was, it's not like he wasn't telling Jesus, why in the world did you let this happen? But he was turning to God and building his life on the rock. And I watched him. You ready? It did not make his entire spiritual life crumble because he had built on the rock. It is possible, church. It is possible for you to go through the worst imaginable thing, the worst suffering you can imagine, and still stand firm in the middle of it because our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in the one that has overcome I was, we were talking a minute ago about airplanes, and uh, I, I, I don't really like flying either. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, and so when we're taking off and when we're landing, I'm fine everywhere else. But you know, I just think through my mind all the scenarios that could go wrong in the takeoff and the landing. right? And so you know what I do? I'll open the Bible, and I'll start reading Psalms, or open my little app and start reading Psalms. And it brings tremendous peace to my soul. And you know what it reminds me? Even if the worst thing happens— even if the worst it could imagine happens. I wasn't made for this world. I was made for God. I was made to have a relationship with God. And this world is temporary and honestly not that great. The next world is forever and more than we could ever imagine. So it is possible to not fall in the midst of the worst circumstances you could ever imagine. But only if you built your life on the rock. So so the last point here, because it had been founded on the rock. Can I ask you a question? What's your life founded on? Like really, right now. Have you have you founded your life on the rock of Jesus Christ and surrendered fully to him? Or is it founded on your own desires? Building your life the way that the world builds its life. You know what the world does? This is this is the this is the world. Or I'll actually back up. This is common to all mankind. We have a hole inside of our souls. We have a hole inside of us, and every one of us, every one of you, you're trying to fill it with something. We're trying. We feel empty. We want to fill it with something. So here's what American culture typically fills it with. You all ready? We fill it with. Some good things and some bad things. Um, you know what? I want to I go to this college and make sure I get into this college. I want to get this job. Uh, I want to I wanna get married and have kids, and that's making me feel better. I want this house. I want get. If I had that car, man, if I had the new iPhone, I know this thing sounds silly, but it's true. How great is it when you get a new phone, right? It's awesome. It feels good. It's fun to play with for how long? If I had the new iPhone, if I had this, this TV, if I had this thing... Um, The the consumeristic American culture. You know what it's doing? Trying to fill the hole that's inside of our souls. And what's scary about America is that in this country, which is beautiful, I love that we have opportunities. We have constant opportunity to continue to get little hits of of satisfaction in this world. You know why? Because you can go get another job tomorrow probably if you wanted to, if you work really hard and you make a little bit more money. But can I ask you what will be enough? A little more money, is that going to fill you up? That car, that house, that marriage. Can I tell you something? Marriage is a great gift from God, but it is not meant to fill your soul. Children are a great gift from God, but they are not meant to fill your soul. And so many people live an entire life. They're trying to fill their soul with things of the world. Moving from one thing to the next to the next. To that house. To this. To that. To this vacation. To that thing. To this thing. Trying to fill their soul. And at the end, they're empty because they built their house on the sand. And I don't want that for you. The reason we have that hole inside of us that's searching. Is because we were made. You were made for God. And until, and the only thing, the only one who can fill that hole and that gap is God. is Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That's it. Everything else is empty and it leads to nothing. It leads to emptiness. You will have a deathbed. The end of your life will come. And when it comes, my question is, Will what you have built stand or just fall apart? Everyone who builds things of this world, it doesn't last, it fades. But if you go all in for Jesus Christ. And you live a life for the glory of God. You say, God, I was made for you in a relationship with for you. So I will live for you and I will glorify you with all of my life. I will let go of anything you want me to let go of. I will surrender fully to you. That's the kind of life that will stand in the end. Hebrews 9.27 It's appointed for man to die once. Because of sin, we all die. And after that comes the judgment. I want you to see something here. If you're in Christ, here's is beautiful. It's, it's amazing. If you're in Christ, you, God's not going to judge you for your sins. He's already put all of that on Jesus on the cross. It's done, it's finished, it's over. Jesus himself said, It is finished. You're saved. You're brand new. So he's not looking at you and saying, you've done this sin, you've done this sin, you've done this sin, you've done this sin. That's, that's done. Praise God. Hey, that's, good. that's really good news. That's really good news. All it takes is surrender to Jesus. But the New Testament is very, very, very clear. That the, we will stand and hold an account for what we did with our salvation. What we did with our life. And you'll get in you into heaven. It's not the point. The point is this. What we're talking about here is the key to joy and abundance. Life is not found anywhere else outside of Jesus. It's not. We try to fill another thing that we try to fill ourselves up with is alcohol and drugs and food and whatever, right? That's not life. It will never make you happy only thing that is life is is Jesus Christ, building our life with Jesus Christ. That's it. And if you do it, you're going to have to say no to some good things of this world, to say yes to the great things of Jesus. And it will be something that stands forever. Uh, The last kind of analogy I want to use, I just want to make sure that that, that, I do all I can to help you understand it. Okay? Um, it's a lighthearted one because this has been kind of handy, I get it. Uh, you might like Krispy Kreme donuts. I like Kreme donuts. They're delicious, right? They're delicious. Yep. The hot now, come on. You can make your instant hot now by putting them in the microwave for seven seconds. And they're, and they're hot now. I love Krispy Kreme. They taste tremendous. Imagine it melting in your mouth right now, right? Doesn't it just melt in your mouth and you eat it? It's great, So if you had a diet of Krispy Kreme, it's really good right now. It's really good right now. Man, this tastes so good. But long term, what's going to happen? Y'all know what's going to happen. You're going to wreck your life. Literally, physically, you will wreck your life. You're going to be diabetic. You're going to be massively overweight. And you're going to die early. That's what's going to happen. Of, of heart disease you will go out happy man, right <laughs> versus listen versus a healthier diet does a healthier diet taste as good be honest the answer is no there are some healthy food that tastes good but listen a healthy diet immediately does not taste as good but it nourishes your body so if you building your life on the sand is immediate and it tastes good And it's fun And you get what you want And that new thing is awesome And I feel a little bit better about it Or that new hit of Dopamine is awesome, right? It's, it's, it's like eating a crispy cream Long term It will destroy you Building your house in the rock You know what it might taste like immediately? It is hard to follow Jesus, can I tell you that? It is hard you have to make sacrifices. You've got to be willing to give. You've got to be willing to love people that are hard to love. You've got to be willing to turn the other cheek. You've got to be willing to be taken advantage of, if necessary, for the sake of the gospel. It does not taste good immediately, but long-term, it nourishes you, your soul, and it builds a soul that is strong and that will stand in the end. What are you doing?